0: So how about that Super Bowl? I didn't really get to watch the second half because I had the 9 p.m. mass, but I gotta say I was pretty happy with it, being that uh, it was almost like the, the the evil empire got overthrown by the Jedi, with the Patriots being destroyed completely. I loved it. But anyway, after the Super Bowl every year, there's always some coverage by the media, and because it's kind of the off season and nobody's really doing free agency or anything like that, nobody's really working any trades or anything like that. You gotta find something to report on. And so what they usually do is they report on a player who's kinda sad, who just won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning team, and he's just a little down. Because he didn't contribute to the team's win. He was either benched, or on injury reserve, or there was a late trade, or there was something wrong with him in general. And because of that, he didn't feel like he earned the Super Bowl that he had. And so because, of, and, and honestly, that could be like us this Easter Sunday. We can feel like a player who ultimately lost the Super Bowl. Ooh, the light's getting dim. All right. (laughs) We can be like a player who just feels like we never really contributed to this this whole deal. We can see Easter Sunday, even though for all practical purposes, it is the Super Bowl of Super Bowls. I mean, let's be real. Easter Sunday, whenever Jesus rose from the dead, is the triumph of triumphs. It's where Jesus took sin and absolutely power-bombed it to the ground. It's incredible. And yet how often do we look at Easter Sunday as just kind of another Sunday? You know, just a Sunday where you got to dress up a little bit nicer. You got to go to mass early in the morning because it's weird to go to Easter Sunday mass in the evening. You know, just like just regular inconveniences. How often do we look at Easter Sunday without any real joy? And the key to fixing that problem to looking at Easter Sunday without any joy whatsoever is to prepare for it, which is why the church gives us Lent. Lent is a 40-day period, which symbolizes the 40 days that Christ spent in the desert. And I think if you and I can look at those 40 days in which Christ spent in the desert, we can receive a blueprint of how exactly to prepare for the Super Bowl that's coming on Easter Sunday. And what those those 40 days were spent in the desert show us is that if we really want to embrace the resurrected Lord, we have to sacrifice three things. We have to sacrifice first, our comfort, second, our time, and third, our power. So our comfort. If we look at the fasting of Jesus, we look at, at his 40 days, he didn't eat anything or drink anything, which meant that the very first temptation that Satan did against him was against his comfort. You and I often think about comfort and we think about lazy boys or distractions or internet or whatever. But those are all external comforts. The only reason why we can enjoy any of those external distractions is because internally, usually, our bellies are full. We're not angry with with hunger and starvation. But if we really want to be uncomfortable starve ourselves and trust me we'll be very very uncomfortable until the point where no lazy boy or internet website can fix us or satiate our discomfort my friends if we really 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 want to experience how truly weak we are and how truly we depend upon god all we need to do is imitate christ and embrace fasting now often whenever we talk about fasting and lent the usual subject or the usual thing that everybody gives up is sweets and that's not a bad thing i'm not condemning anybody from giving up sweets if you want to give up sweets more power to you that's awesome but let's be honest guys in the scope of all of our eating sweets that's just icing on the cake literally i mean all it is is a bunch of sugar we don't need it to survive it's just comfort food it doesn't really do anything for our bodies if we really want to experience discomfort we're going to to give up a little bit more than sweets to really feel it we need to give up meat we need to give up seafood something that's actually really hard to do in Louisiana we need to give up things like dairy or alcohol or things that tend to really really nourish us skip meals do whatever and then and only then will we really experience true deep hunger pain now I know what you're thinking if you don't eat you get a little grumpy join the club I'm right there with you I get mad too whenever I don't eat but the reason for that is that it shows us how truly dependent we are upon the created world around us. It allows us to appreciate everything that's around us and the food that God gives us. But there's another point to fasting, something that I think we often forget. Unless we fast, we can never, ever feast. Unless we fast, we can never, ever feast. Can you imagine going and stopping at McDonald's right before going to a dinner party. You'll ruin your appetite. You'll ruin the whole dinner party experience and you, won't, you will not appreciate the meal that you receive. It's no different for Easter Sunday. If you and I fast for nothing, then Easter Sunday will literally be just be dressing up a little bit nicer in the morning and going to Mass early in the morning. That's it. That's all Easter Sunday will be unless we give up something substantial. Then... And only then, whenever we receive that thing that we gave up, whether it's meat, seafood, alcohol, sweets, whatever, we'll appreciate that thing once Easter Sunday rolls around. It's fasting so that you and I can feast and no longer just take these things for granted. But there's another point, another thing that should always accompany fasting. And that's our second point. And that's prayer. Our second really fight that we see Jesus engage in with the devil is where the devil takes Jesus and puts him on top of the temple. And I think this is a beautiful symbol about how you and I use our time. You see, prayer, if it's anything, is wasting time with God. And the reason why we tend to not pray is simply because you and I don't have time. We're busy doing homework. We're busy taking care of our kids. We're busy going hang out with friends. We're busy, 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 busy. To the point where prayer just kind of takes a back burner. It doesn't really, we don't really use it. We we kind of ignore it. And then what happens is we end up, what we do is, and, and essentially whenever we do that is we put ourselves on top of the temple. We put ourselves above the church. As if to say we don't need God. And yet, whenever a catastrophe happens, what's our temptation? To do exactly what Satan tempted Jesus to do. Jump off and pray for a miracle. Lord, if you only work this miracle, I'll change my life. Lord, if you only do this, this, or this for me, I'll pray a rosary every day. Lord, if you do the... Which is totally testing God the Father. It's totally saying, Lord, you've got to prove yourself to me. Let me see what you got. Then maybe I'll follow you whenever it really should be the other way around. We need to be spending time in the temple. We need to be letting the temple form us. We need to be letting Christ into our hearts in the good times and in the bad. And that's why it's so important this Lent to pray. It's not enough just to give something up, but we need to accompany it with prayer. Otherwise, we really will just be grouchy people who haven't eaten enough food. Unless we pray... We will never, ever be able to look at other people with appreciation. We will never, ever be able to really have meaning to our fasting. Our fasting will just be another angry exercise, which we won't really appreciate. That's why we need to pray. And there's different ways in which you can add prayer to your life in in this Lent. Maybe pray a rosary every day. Divine Mercy Chaplet. Novenas. Take your pick. But the point being is that it's a duty of ours to allot time each and every single day to God so that we can grow closer to him. We have to sacrifice our time if we're really, really going to prepare for Lent and embrace the upcoming victory of the Super Bowl of Easter Sunday. There's one final point, one final area of sacrifice which you and I must make. And that's a sacrifice of power. And what I mean is sacrificing our money. If we're honest, usually our source of power comes from our riches. It comes to the fact that we have something extra in our accounts. It comes to the fact that we have some savings. It comes to the fact that we might have something that's a little stored up. How often do we look at money and think, "Oh, I'm secure. I've got it made. I'm good." Now, I'll admit, whenever I was in college, I never really had that feeling at all. I didn't really have any money. But not everybody here is in college. And for those of us who do have a, who are drawing salaries and are doing well financially, that's a great source of good for so many other people, if we choose to use it. That third temptation that, Jesus, that the devil had against Jesus was he put him on top of that high, high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world, and said, this too can be yours. He was giving him power. And what Jesus chose to do was to release that power and give it to God. And I think we can do the exact same if we learn to give alms, almsgiving. And if we're really going to give alms, the right way to do it is to give it to Jesus, to give our money to to Jesus. And the way to do that is to give it to the poor, to give it to the church. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, you clothed me, you fed me, you visited me in prison. He was referencing the poor. He also said, whenever you didn't clothe me, whenever you didn't visit me in prison, whenever you didn't do these things, once again, referencing the poor. And yet, in St. Paul's conversion, what happens? What does he hear? He gets knocked down, scales come over his eyes, he can't see a dang thing, and he hears a voice. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Which basically means... That the church is Jesus. In fact, the theology says, and St. Paul says, that the church is the body of Christ. Which means that if we really want to give alms, we have to give our money and our time and our talent, our treasure, whatever we got, back to Jesus. Which means give it to the poor, or give it to the church. Either one, you're giving it back to the Lord. And if we can do these three things, if we can pray, if we can fast, And we can give alms. You, my friends, you and I, will be ready to win a Super Bowl.